These are two very familiar stories in the Old and New Testament of um, Elijah, first of all, on the mountain at Horeb in the cave, and the, uh, the wind, the earthquake, and the fire coming, and the Lord not being in them, but in this still, small voice, the tiny whispering sound, he recognizes the voice of God. Um, and the walking on the water, this storm at the sea where the disciples are panicking, and Jesus comes to them in this miraculous way, um, and they're terrified, they're afraid, but Jesus speaks this peace to them, especially to Peter, um, as he comes out under the water with him. One of the things that struck me, especially in the Elijah reading today, was the line, the repeated line, the Lord was not in the blank, the wind, the earthquake, the fire. It kind of gave me pause. I'm like, how is he not in those? I mean, I get that um, he's trying to speak to, to Elijah in this tiny whispering sound, as, as it, almost to make a point, it seems like, that God is not in the really dramatic, um, I don't know, flashy, showy stuff, but he's in the, the humble, quiet voice of your, your inner conscience, your inner interior life. Um, but I got to say, I think he's also in the wind and the earthquake and the fire. Like, he's in everything. That's what we believe. Nothing exists except by God's providence and his creative love. Um, but maybe the point uh, is that, like for Elijah or for Peter and the apostles in the boat, although there's lots of stuff going on and God is in all of it, for us in our particular life, our particular life of faith, God has something he wants to say to us, particularly, you know. And when you go out, I found this on, on my fishing trip last week, you go out and there's just information overload. You're like, okay, God, are you in the bald eagle or the river or the, or the mountains or, or this anxiety that's going on in my head about work back at home or what, you know, whatever is going on in your life? What is, what is God trying to say to me? I think that's what, that's what we want to do. You guys on retreat, you're, you're listening for God's voice, trying to discern it. And that's... Um, that's what we mean when we say God is in something or, or that's from the Lord, uh, is that it's a personal thing. It's not just like God kind of putting up a billboard for everybody to see, but something for me. Um, and that's where I think this, the discernment of spirits, if you've ever read uh, Father Gallagher's book on the discernment of spirits, it's very good, but he does his own translation of the, of the 14 rules of discernment. And the first two, I think, especially in the Elijah story where what's going on in the context there is that he's running from Ahab and Jezebel who are trying to kill him after he's slaughtered 450 prophets of Baal. And, um, you know, he's, he's in despair and he's frightened. Um, or, the, or the disciples, even in the, the metaphorical going away from Jesus. Jesus goes off to be a deserted by, place by himself and they're in the boat alone, moving away from the Lord. Um, all of that means something, and uh, Ignatius says it this way. The first rule, in persons who are going from mortal sin to mortal sin, the enemy is ordinarily accustomed to propose apparent pleasures to them, leading them to imagine sensual delights and pleasures in order to hold them more and make them grow in their vices and sins. In these persons, the good spirit uses a contrary method, stinging and biting their consciences through their rational power of moral judgment. In other words, if you're moving away from God, the devil wants to keep you going in that direction. So he'll propose to you new things like, just don't change. Everything's fine. You're comfortable. And, but there is this voice. Um, if you've ever been that way in your life, moving from mortal sin to mortal sin, there's something deep back there that is making you a little 
uncomfortable, maybe even fearful. Like if I go the, all this way, if I, if I completely commit myself to this path, am I sacrificing something? Um, am, I, am I going to hell, you know, ultimately? But even in this life, am I sacrificing the only possibility I have of real joy? Um, and that's the Holy Spirit trying to draw us back. So the Spirit does discomfort us, sometimes frighten us. But for the sake of drawing us back to the peaceful path of discipleship, Whereas in the second rule, in persons who are going on intensely purifying their sins and rising from good to better in the service of God our Lord, the method is contrary to that of the first rule. For then it is proper to the evil spirit to bite, sadden, place obstacles, disquiet with false reasons, so that the person may not go forward. And it is proper to the good spirit to give courage and strength, consolations, tears, inspirations, and quiet, easing and taking away all obstacles, so that the person may go forward in doing good. What Ignatius is not saying is that if you believe in Jesus and you're doing the right thing, nothing will take away all the obstacles and your life will be easy. But um, in the midst of these storms, the fire, the hail, the, the earthquakes, the storms at the sea, uh, there's always something going on. Um, and sometimes it's a tempest in a teapot. It's some little thing, some little drama that you're caught up in in life. Um, or maybe it's your own just interior emotional scripts of like, I'm in danger. You know, your, 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 your reactions, your coping mechanisms that lead you to be distracted, to despair, to be afraid. That I guess what he's saying is that if you're, if you're moving towards God, and that's data that you can just kind of look at coldly and rationally. Um, I am purifying my sins. I'm not perfect, obviously, but I'm trying to move from good to better in service of the Lord. Anything that disquiets you, anything that tries to take away that peace, that is not from God. But the Spirit of God is there always, the face of Jesus walking on the water. He sometimes comes in miraculous ways. I mean, that, that's something that, that interpretation of the Elijah story that I don't think works, is that God doesn't come in big, awesome ways. He just comes in little, humble ways, like... Sometimes he comes in big, majestic ways. I mean, even on mountains, in smoke and fire, he brought the Ten Commandments. Um, But ultimately, the purpose of all of it is to get your soul to heaven. That's what God wants. Um, That all of this other stuff, the drama, the adventure of the whole story, is for God to get the individual soul into his house, into his kingdom, um, so that all of his children can be gathered together. And that is the drama. That's the only thing to be afraid of is that, that I somehow self-sabotage that, that I, keep, I, I afford God's purposes to save my life. Um, but I, I just love this idea from Jacques Philippe. If you've ever read Searching for and Maintaining Peace, it's a great little spiritual read. But it basically just says that that's how you can know um, if something is from God, is that if it takes away my peace, I can just ignore it. So if you sit down to pray in the morning and some thought comes to you, like, oh, did I turn the oven off? Um, maybe, like, call somebody or, or check the oven. But if it's, if it's this thing that just kind of worms into your brain and creates a disquiet to keep you from communing with Christ, ignore it. Just slough it off. Give it to Jesus. Take it out of your head and put it in his sacred heart. Um, because that's ultimately what, what it's all about. Um, we may never see Jesus walking on the water, um, but he has come to us in a myriad of ways, um, some miraculous, some simple. 
And that way, that criterion of whether we know it's him or not is the peace that I feel in my soul when I gaze on his face.